My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're here this morning. If you've got your Bibles, where are we at? Mark, yes, what chapter? 12, yes, Mark chapter 12. Let's go to Mark chapter 12. Now, if you know and have read ahead, you might be aware that this is the last section in Mark chapter 12. And I, I did not start this, and I, perhaps we should have if I had known we would be in this book quite this long. Uh, but we should have had a party at the end of every single chapter because that would have resulted in 16 parties, and that would be just a really fun way to go through a book. So, uh, Dave... The next time we go through a book of the Bible, we're going to have a party every time we finish a chapter. So let's start now. Let's start now. I think that sounds good to me. Cool. We could meet this evening for a party. We could meet this evening. Yes, we probably could. <laughs> Free entertainment in lots of different places, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right, good deal. Well, welcome this morning. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, those of you that are online, glad you guys are here with us as well. See so you uh, logging in. So we will uh, start with our question that we ask each week. It's on your handout. And by the way, this week's handout is on the table. It's also at OurSundaySchool.com. Uh, and next week's handout is on the table as well. It's also at OurSundaySchool.com, but I'm a week behind, so you can't actually navigate to it, and it'll be all right. Uh, so we'll start with our question, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? What is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Oh, yes, why the scribes and Pharisees wouldn't accept you. You have a wonderfully booming voice, and I don't think I have to repeat the question for the people online, so I'm not going to. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd say there's probably 17 good reasons, and that one's either number one or number two. You, you, you could think about, you know, is the, is the sin of pride manifesting itself that way and resulting in that? Uh, but yes, it's, it's, this is a power struggle. It's absolutely a power struggle. And, um, you know, that they viewed, I, I saw this a couple of months ago, and I hadn't, I had never thought about it this way. They viewed the way Jesus was speaking as a coup for their leadership. And like that kind of fundamental, I was like, oh, I don't know that I've, let me soak on that a couple months and think about that. And I was like, I think we might be kind of close there. Yeah, this is a power grab, right? So what, do we, so what is God doing in us through his word from this portion of Mark? For me, it's illustrating in my life, like, hey, that's where you like to be in charge. Hey, this is the pride in your life. Hey, this is the... You know, so I get to, um, it's a good day when I look in the mirror and see a little bit of Jesus. Uh, it tends to be a more normal day when I look in the mirror and see the scribes and the Pharisees. Um, so, but, all right, so anybody else, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? And Barry's speaking in tongues online again. I think this is French. Took three years of it in high school. 
<clears throat> and that's about all I know. Hello, friends. <laughs> you can laugh if I'm wrong, yeah. <laughs> so Barry, you'll have to tell us if I'm right or not, so I don't know. We'll see. All right, well, let's jump in. Let's read Mark chapter 12. Uh, and again, I think, Lord willing, today we'll finish uh, 41, 42, 43, and 44. Um, and I have... Is anybody familiar with what that sound might be? Yeah, it's the pipes. Okay, great. I just needed to make sure it wasn't something that was telling us to leave the building. Um, like, all of my safety training at work was kicking in, and I was like, it was pegging out going... We, we have to address this right now. <laughs> so, thank you for that. Yes, there you go. Seem, seems like an odd design, but sure, okay. Uh, but I need somebody to remind me, because I forgot to put the last application and personalization physically in my copy of my notes this morning. So when we get to the very end, I need somebody to wave at me like, there's four, there's not three, okay? So you've got to remember that one. All right, so let's read Mark chapter 12. It's a beautiful chapter. Mark chapter 12. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the winepress and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another, and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat, and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him, and killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? That stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. And Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Well, there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third, likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as wife. And Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you neither know the scriptures nor the power of God. 
For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read the book of Moses in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, The most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself, in the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Amen. Mark chapter 12. I will tell you. That is the most difficult time I have ever in my life had reading an entire chapter of God's Word. I got new glasses this week. And they are progressives. And I don't know where to look yet. And it kept moving on me. <laughs> so for those uh, to whom they can relate to this, uh, thank you, Jesus, that we got through that. <laughs> That was unbelievable. It kept, I don't know if you saw, but I kept, I was backing up and, and uh, all right. My notes here are at the right distance. This is not quite yet, so I'm still learning. So I'm still learning. All right, so Mark chapter 12. Uh, so we finished Mark chapter 12, Lord willing, today. So let's start with verse 41. Uh, and in the literary structural observations, I just have Jesus continues escalating the relationship with the temple elite. Uh, so verse 41, and he sat down. All right, so where is he sitting down? Sorry, I thought this was a simple one. In the temple, yes. All right, so do you know where in the temple? In the treasury, right? Okay, good. Where's the treasury? Close. Who do we know was physically present there? Look at the text. Jesus, his disciples, there's some religious elite. Who's the second star of the show? The widow. The widow is what gender? 
Female. Oh, there we go. Right. So which court are we in? Court of the women, right? This would have been a place where a woman could go safely without being killed by the priests. Because if you step foot in the wrong spot in the temple structure, you die. I guess there is a designated place for Gentiles, a designated place for women, a designated place for Jewish men, a designated place for uh, the priests, and then a like super, super dedicated place for the high priest on one day of the year on a very special thing, right? So it's, this, if you think about it, it's, it's not concentric circles, but it's concentric areas of you don't have access, you don't have access, you don't have access, you do. Um, and some of you have jobs <laughs> where access to the right spot is a really, really big deal. Uh, for a while at my job, I had a badge that would let me into a nuclear plant. And I had to go through lots and lots of training as to what to do and what not to do. And my takeaway from my two full days of training about going in and having access to a nuclear plant was to not touch anything, <laughs> nothing. I'm gonna stand behind my guide and I'm not going to touch anything. And I, I figured out, I failed my first uh, quiz uh, giving me access, right? Because you take 15 quizzes and making sure you understand all these little parts. And I, I failed the first one, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, every single question they ask me, should you touch this, should you not? I'm just going to say no to every single one. And I passed all the rest. <laughs> I was like, I think there's a theme here, right? And, and I, I hadn't thought about it before this week, but I was thinking about this week, this restricted access concept. And you didn't get to go where you were not allowed to go. This was a really, really big deal. So I'm gonna, I got two resources this morning I wanna talk to us about. Uh, so he sat down opposite the treasury and uh, watched the people putting money in the offering box. So let's talk about the treasury and the offering box for just a second. Now, the treasury, it technically could have been in the court of the women uh, or it could have been the collecting chests into which gifts were put. And these weren't in the exact same spot, but it was, it was very likely one of these two places. Um, there were 13 such chests, and each chest referred to a specific, this is from the Mishnah, it's a summary from the Mishnah. Uh, each chest referred to a specific kind of offering. There were new shekel dues, that's a fun phrase. There were old shekel dues. There were bird offerings, young birds for whole offerings, wood, frankincense, gold for the mercy seat, and six freewill offerings, because it needs to be that complicated, right? And if you're thinking, like, well, that seems really complicated. Have you read Leviticus? It's not a simple process. It's not like, oh, move the decimal place over once and you're good. Like, the Old Testament saints would look at what we typically do for giving and go, seriously, like, that is just as simple as it gets. You know, I, I have not had to murder anything in giving to our church. And I, I can tell you, I am quite grateful. <laughs> I'm not really into that, so... Um, so, uh, when we talk here about the offering box, this would have been something that was, it was kind of odd. Um, I want to explain one other concept real quick, because you might be wondering, because if, if, if you get to the end of this text, and you look at, and Jesus says, what does Jesus say about the widow? Open book. What does Jesus say about the widow? That's right. What does Mark say about the widow in verse 42? She was poor. What else does he say that she does? 
He says what she put in. Now, you might be thinking, how did Mark know that? Well, who do we think was sitting next to Mark when Mark was writing his gospel? I think Peter sitting next to Mark. And Peter was hanging out with Jesus. Peter would have been able to see this. But from a distance, how close would you need to be to make, to make out exactly which coins went in? You'd have to be right on top of it. Unless, unless the norm was uh, anytime there was a contribution that was rendered for the priestly service, the attending priest examined the currency for genuineness, inquired of the purpose of the gift, and verified that the contribution corresponded to the prescribed sacrifice. The priest then directed the worshiper to deposit the amount in the appropriate receptacle. All of this was spoken aloud and would have been audible to bystanders. You didn't get to be private. If anybody wanted to know what you were giving or how much, all they had to do was just hang out and be close because this priest is going to say it out loud. This is record keeping. Think of this as, I wish Jessica Miller was here. Think of this as an audit, right? I'm saying it out loud. I'm directing you to the right spot. We're going to watch to make sure you go to the right spot. You ever flown on an airplane since 9-11? The TSA agent is going to direct you to the right spot, and they expect you to go to that right spot. And if you deviate from that path, you're going to be introduced to somebody who hopefully is having a good day. Uh, it's all about where you're supposed to be, where you're not supposed to be. So there was some, there was some other stuff that Mark's readers probably would have been aware of. But if you were ever wondering, like, how did, like, how did we, how do you know how much she gave, right? Just put your investigative hat on. Well, it was announced, which I think it brings a whole new level of complexity and slowness to giving, right? Can you imagine how, how much this slowed things down? Think about taking up the offering. If every usher, every time they say, whoop, let's examine, let's make sure that's not, they get out their little pen and they, they mark on it, and this, this bill is good, legitimate. What's this going for? What's it designated for? This is going to take some time, right? This is not a quick process. Yes, Dave? Uh, we probably could, which reminds me that I skipped my first question that I was going to ask you guys this morning. What's the purpose of the temple? Let me phrase it a different way. What were the purposes of the temple? Worship, sacrifice, giving, yes, absolutely. The, the temple was where all of the offerings came to. So if you think about, you know, we, I like to watch uh, bank heist movies, love bank heist movies, think they're fantastic. Have never, I've never participated in a bank heist whatsoever. Uh, made me a little nervous when I confess that I like watching that in front of you there, so here's that. Um, but uh, but the, the ingenuity of how do you pull this off and how do you do that and how do you do this and how, I mean, it's just, that could be really complicated. But if you wanted to think about where the wealthiest place in that nation was, the highest concentration of source of funds was the temple. Like, that's where it was. So when he says many people put in large sums, yeah, because that's where it all ended up, right? Because the priests had to go audit, count, distribute, 
organize, arrange, categorize. I mean, it was just this whole system. Right? So let's look back at the text here for just a second because we're going to get into some math here in just a moment. So the, he sat down opposite the treasury and watched. This is the imperfect tense, so he repeatedly watched the people putting money into the offering box. This wasn't he just he sat down and, and she was the first person he watched, or there was a couple people. No, 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 he did this for a hot minute. So many rich people. Now, this word uh, rich shows up one other time in Mark's gospel. This is back in chapter 10. And this is a good one to flip. Let's flip back to Mark chapter 10. We'll start with verse 17. The word rich shows up in verse 25. But do you remember, do you remember what, who we're talking to in this text? It's the rich young man, right? Back in Mark chapter 10. Do you remember what Jesus told him to do? What did Jesus tell the rich young man to go do? Yeah, sell it all and give it all away. And, and what does it say he did? Did he do it? He went away very sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Right? So for just, just a hot minute, I just want us to compare and contrast the poor widow and the rich young man. Now, did Jesus tell her to give everything away? As far as we know. Right? But she does. So notice this. This contrast, because this is going to be important when we wrap up uh, chapter 12 here in just a minute. So back to Mark 12, verse 41. Many rich people put in large sums. And knowing what we now know about these numbers being announced publicly, would this have been an opportunity to, oh, 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 yes, look at me. Absolutely. Not only would you have seen people and heard the money clanging against these receptacles, you would have heard so-and-so gave this amount for this purpose. Opportunity to both be obedient and opportunity to be prideful, right? Both. So verse 42, and a poor widow. Now, does anybody have a different translation? I don't ask this question very often in our series in Mark. Does anybody have a different translation for the word directly before widow in verse 42? Sorry, Barry and Cheryl are both uh, coming in with their quirks about my ability to read the scripture this morning. Barry said, reading the word is moving. And Cheryl said, welcome to progressive aging. Yes. Um, This has been one of the very odd things about videoing all of these lessons is that I can go back and see how much less gray hair I had two years ago when we started this process. And it is a shockingly smaller amount. So there is that. Uh, Also, when I look down, sometimes you can see through a little easier than than you could before. But, you know, not throwing rocks at anybody. So does anybody have a different word in front of uh, the word widow? Does everybody say poor? Yeah. The the Greek word uh, is a word for beggar or pauper, and the idea would have been this was somebody, all of her income coming in would have been something she'd had to beg for. And I don't know if you've ever had to beg. Like, like beg, beg. Not, 
hey, I need this part, can you run it by my house? Not, hey, I know you have this thing, can you help me? But actually beg. To go through the, the process of humbling yourself and to beg for something so that you could eat and then to give it away. And this is why I don't think our English word poor really does this justice. Because we hear poor and we go, oh, well, that's, you know, we put it in our culture, in our context. No, no, this is, it's a beggar. So a beggar woman, widow, came and put in two small copper coins. All right. Now, I'm going to, I've got, I don't know the plural of that. In the commentaries, they call it an excursus. It's a Latin word for like a, a it's, it means a rabbit trail is what it means in the commentaries. Uh, but I've got two of them, and I don't, excursi, maybe? We'll go with that. I've got two excursi we're going to run down real quick. So one is about the audience that Mark is writing to, and one is about the, the amount of money that we are talking about here. So first is the audience that Mark is writing to. When you hear Gary Jared walk through the four Gospels, who does he say every single time Mark was written to? Better remember? <laughs> he will be sorely disappointed. <laughs> I will not tell him I did this then. <laughs> Every single time he says it's written to the Romans. Every single time. We think this might be true for a couple of reasons. Peter hung out in Rome a lot. Mark, when he's mentioned in Acts, is mentioned in Rome, right? And there are a couple of intra-text clues inside the gospel itself that lean toward a very Roman audience. This word, uh, two small copper coins which make a penny, that word is a Latin word. It is not a Greek word. Because he uses a Latin word, the thought is that this has a very Greek, Rome, specifically Roman audience because they would have been familiar with that as opposed to what the actual temple term for this would have been. Now, the next time you hear somebody say, well, I think da-da-da-da because of da-da-da-da-da, the bulk, and when I say bulk, I mean there's sort of kind of one other word in all of Mark's gospel that lends itself toward a Roman audience. But the vast majority of the intratext evidence for Mark writing to the Romans is that one word right there. And I would argue that's kind of weak evidence. That's not, a, that's not an overwhelming like, wow, wow, wow. I would say you get a lot more from the things that Mark explains versus the things that Mark doesn't explain. That's much, much, much better evidence. But the text itself that's pretty much it. So that's, I'll, that's one excursus. The other excursus is how much money is this? Now, when we talked a couple of weeks ago in uh, Mark 12, we were looking at uh, the great commandment, and Jesus said, bring me a denarius, right? Do you remember how much a denarius, like what, what was the, what's the easy way to describe how much a denarius is worth? Day's wage for a day laborer. Right? This is not a day's wage for the people who are putting in great sums. This is the day's wage for the person whose skill set involves, I can go into a field and I can harvest all day long. So from a complexity of skill set, this is as 
This is kind of as basic as you get. Now, our English commentators, almost all of them, want to equate this in an American economy to minimum wage. And I would say that's not quite right. Like that's, that would be shockingly higher than what these folks would have done, right? A rich person, anybody in the New Testament, anytime you see the word rich, was somebody who had more food than for today. Like that was the generally accepted term for rich. And just think about when was the last time in your life, in my life, that we didn't have more food than just for today? I, I don't know I've ever been in that situation, right? Ever. Like I... Yeah, I'm probably not. But two small copper coins, the, 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 the literal definition for this is something light. Like it's just, it's just almost insignificant amount, right? And you'll, when we see how much they're worth, you'll, you'll get this in just a second. So this uh, quadrantes, this is the penny, is 1 64th of a denarius. So you cut up a day's wage into 64 parts some of you are like, I'm doing the math right now. So even if, what is minimum wage? Seven and a quarter, something like that, right? Divide that by 64, that's all she had. Like, I don't care how you do the math, it's not very much. Like, this is a shockingly small. Yes, Jay? That's, that's an hour's wage, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, very good, very good, very good. So seven and a quarter times eight is 56, 57, 75. And then divide that by 64, you're still less than a buck. So everything I have to my name is less than a dollar. That might seem more powerful than the other way I was going to go. Everything I have to my name is less than a dollar. Mitch, you audited any, you done any uh, tax returns for folks who have everything less than, left to their name is less than a dollar? Well, sometimes after I've Sometimes after I had got done, that's awesome. <laughs> I have nowhere to go after that comment. <clears throat> We're just going to keep rolling. All right, so, so do we understand that she is a beggar? This is what she has begged for, and this is what we're going to do with it. Right? I, I have not, when I have read this text before, and I, I, th I think I see it in some of your faces too, I have not thought that that's where she was. It was like, oh, she's a poor widow. She didn't have much. No, 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 no. The change in your pocket. That's what we're talking about. It's probably even more than she had. So, verse 43. And he, who's he? This is simple. Yes, thank you. Jesus. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, truly. So this is one of his amens. So there are seven I am statements in John. There are 13 amens in Mark. And... 20 years from now, I want to go back and do a series on them because they're really cool when you stack them all together. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting package of theology uh, grouped together. So truly, I say to you, this poor widow, so he identified her the same way as Mark identified her, uh, Takas, this poor widow has put in More, like more. So if I keep my math hat on, I question Jesus' ability to count, <laughs> right? 
because it's not more. But it is more. And I know Jesus knows how to count because in Genesis chapter 1, really before he created a lot of other subjects, he created math. In the evening and the morning were the first day. Bam, mathematics. So there's that. Um, I had a, had a math professor in college that he started his our like, calculus course with that. He's like, in case some of you think this is dry and not inspired of God, it is. Open your Bibles to Genesis 1. And he walked us through that, and I was like, oh, well, that kind of validates my, my major. That's cool. I like it. Yes, sir. There you go. There you go. Can you come here for a second? Just take your time, don't worry. Can you read that sentence for me, that number three right there? Value is not mean by volume. Not? Measure. Oh, measure. Less can be? Less can be more. Less can be more. There you go. That's where we're going to land today. Thank you very much. He's jumping ahead, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yes. This is good. Where were? Oh, the widow has put in more. So let me ask you a question. If Jesus says it's more, is it more? Yes. Let's try it again. If Jesus says it's more, is it more? Yes, yes absolutely. Absolutely a thousand percent. The widow has put in more, not than one of those contributing than all those who are contributing. What time of year was this? Passover. How many times a year would a good Jew go to the temple? Probably once. What time was the most common time for a good Jew to go to the temple? Passover. When would they bring their yearly offering? Passover. What she's put in is more than all those who are contributing. This would have been mind-numbingly staggering to make this comparison. This is, this is a stupid level of compare. Like, it, it's like, it's not even worth counting compared to the other. Some of you have jobs where you deal with finances, and there's a certain amount of money where your accountants just go, yeah, it's, it's fine, right? It's just not... It's, not, it's immaterial. Financially, this is immaterial, but it's not what Jesus says. And why, the verse 44, I wish there was a translation in the Bible that every time the, the Greek word gar, G-A-R, showed up, this is the, I'm going to explain, and I'm going to justify, I'm going to give the rationale for the thing that's just happened. I wish that could just be bolded somehow, because it's really shockingly helpful for me to kind of get the point. Uh, excursus is singular, excurses is plural. Good to know. Thank you very much. All right. Four, so here we're going to wrap it up. They all contributed out of their abundance, and the abundance here is present active participle. This is their habit of abundance. This is their normal abundance. This is their lifestyle of abundance. To be in excess, to super abound. But she, out of her poverty, literally out of her falling short, 
Daniel Goebel taught me a term several years ago. He called it God math. This is God math. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All that she had to live on. Now, how much would that have gotten her? How much did, that she put in would have gotten her? One sixty-fourth of a day laborer's wage. Not much. I, I don't think it would have actually purchased her a meal. I actually don't think it would, from all the study and the research that I've done on this, this actual quantity of uh, revenue, I don't think it would have purchased her a meal. But that's everything she had. So let's take a look. Applications. Oh, I remembered. I've got another one. Yes. I love it when you wave at me. Sometimes Mitch is like, yep, yeah, I got a little. This was a, I'm excited about this one. Yes. 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 That's right. Yes. Now we're getting there. That's right. She gave it all. Her dignity, everything. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> yes, Miss Sherry. Does the text say that? I, I, don't, I don't know how many reasons we could list that would get you to the spot where you'd give everything you had if that wasn't at least in the group, right? I've, that's one of those things that I'll go wide open palms as wide as I can be. I think you're probably really close. I think that makes sense. It's consistent with like how many people that did not have good motives, did Jesus ever commend? I don't need any fingers for that one, <laughs> right? So I think, you're, I think you're very, very close there. I think you're very close. All right, let's do some applications and personalizations. Application number one, uh, giving can be for show. Giving can be for show. So what do we do with that? And I may have skipped this in the text, and if I did, I am sorry, but we need to go back and look at it real quick. Yeah, back uh, in verse 41, and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people. There is a Greek word that is skipped in our English translations, and the word is pos, which is uh, how or in what way or how much. He's watching not just the how much, but the how and the motive for this as well. Like it's a really complicated watching that he's doing. So what do we do with that? Uh, personalization number one, examine our way or our how when we give. And then I, in my notes I have, and repent and believe is necessary because, you know, hi, my name's Jim. This is an hourly thing. So giving can be for show, so examine our way and our how. 
Uh, application number two, a good thing can be done sinfully. Was giving according to what the rules that God had laid out a good thing? Yes. Could it be done sinfully? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So what do we do with that? I would say perhaps we should examine our way and our how. Uh, number three, this is one that our junior scholar in residence has identified. Thank you, sir. Uh, value is not measured by volume. Value is not measured by volume. Less can be more, right? Uh, so what do we do with that? I would say stop looking up and stop looking down. We've got to stop looking up to those who put in large sums and stop looking down on those who put in small sums. So stop looking up and stop looking down. And then I said, I believe I asked for help that there was one more, right? She put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Who else in Mark's gospel gives everything he has? Jesus. There is a very real sense in which this poor widow is a type of Christ. It's just like, man. And you hit on something just a minute ago. Jesus memorializes her forever with this story. I got a Bible trivia question for you. What is her name? We don't know. She's just one of the others, right? I don't know her name. But her obedience and her example and her willingness to give all for her God, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. What's that? That's right. Yeah, we'll get to, we'll get to ask her. How cool is that? Wow. I had not thought about that. Well, you're going to think about that for a while now. There you go. All right, so that's the lesson for this morning. Thank you for the interactive part. I appreciate that. That is also the end of Mark chapter 12. Hey, let's celebrate fireworks tonight. Yeah, let's just celebrate with fireworks tonight. So we have 13, 14, 15, and 16 left. We are now, according to chapters, not according to words because it didn't work out that way, but according to chapters, 75% of the way through Mark's gospel. Yes, this is awesome. All right, so next week, Lord willing, we'll start prepping for Mark 13. Those handouts are on the table. Uh, so our homework is to pray, hear, think, talk, share, and invite. And uh, all the resources, all the stuff is at OurSundaySchool.com. You can go there and check that out. So let's move into our prayer time. So at your table, there's a sheet of paper with spot with prayer requests. So update any of those. After you have prayed as a group, you are dismissed to go and to worship this one who's not just a type of Christ, who is the Christ who did give all for us so that we can participate in his super abundant love because that is worth worshiping. So thanks for coming today, guys. I appreciate you. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.